Anybody can help me? The blood of Jesus, exactly. Today is title number 17, right? So this is 17 uh, messages, title messages that we're talking about the blood of Jesus. Um, it's almost done. I hate to say this. I think we have um, three, four more, and that's about it. Um, I am very sad because I know when I'm studying, I learned a lot just by studying this. A lot of it, the stuff I'm sharing with you guys, some of it is really brand new to me myself. So I thoroughly enjoyed studying about the blood of Jesus. I'm looking forward to studying about more things. Amen. So we have a few more um, scripture left in the Bible that talks about the blood of Jesus. Uh, it's not connected like the last 16 sermons that talks about the, the power of the blood of Jesus. Nevertheless, I thought it might be a good idea just to discuss every single scripture in the Bible that particularly in the New Testament that mentioned the blood of Jesus. Amen. So today we're going to talk about uh, sprinkling blood or the blood of sprinkling. Okay. And that is from 1 Peter 1, 1. And here is what Peter said. He said, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to uh, those who are elect, exiles of the dispersion of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. I don't want to go back and read these words again, okay? Um, according to the three things. Look at, uh, he's mentioned three phrases here. According to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ, and for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Amen? Amen. So that is Peter's greeting to the disciples that were actually persecuted and dispersed in so many places. And he told them, before he said, may grace and peace be to you, be multiplied to you. He said that you are elect. And then he mentioned three characters of this election. Number one, it was done according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. That's his part. He foreknew from all eternity who's going to accept him, who's going to say yes, who's going to be one of these elects. And they have been... Uh, elected according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through or in the sanctification of the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit part to set them aside. Remember, we, we talked about sanctification before, and we say to be sanctified is to be set aside for unique purposes. And that was the role of the Holy Spirit, right? And then we come to our phrase here. For obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling of his blood. Now, this is not, there is a lot, this is kind of like a difficult um, uh, phrase. And a lot of people understand it in different ways. Some people try to understand this as the Father for you, the Holy Spirit sanctified, and Jesus obeyed and sprinkled. He obeyed the Father to fulfill the salvation plan, and he sprinkled us. Some people understand that. But this understanding is not really accurate. It doesn't match up with uh, the grammar of the Greek, and it doesn't match up with the point that Peter is trying to convey to us here. And even when we look at our English translation, there is multiple translations to that verse because everybody's trying to see what exactly uh, the Greek is trying to say here. For example, the NIV 
wrote it like this, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. The ESV, the one that we just read from, says, for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood. And the NASB says, to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. But all of this, I don't think none of this is truly accurate to the actual Greek letter. It really should be the best way to understand this is like this. For obedience, for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. So in this way, obedience and sprinkling of the blood is actually the goal, the end of why God the Father has foreknew us and the Holy Spirit has sanctified us. Amen. So Peter was saying is this. The source for our salvation comes from God the Father, who foreknew from all eternity what's going to happen. Then the process happened through the Holy Spirit who sanctified us. And the goal is that we should be obedient and sprinkled with the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? That's, that's the, the thought process that Peter is trying to say here. So in a way, this last phrase, for obedience, that's again the goal, for obedience and sprinkling, that is actually partially you and I uh, role in the salvation plan. So being obedient here, it is not what Jesus needed to do, it's what you and I needed to do to receive the salvation that God has ordained. Does that make sense? So it's the ultimate goal of God's salvation plan that you and I will obey him and end up being sprinkled with the blood of Jesus. That's what Peter is saying. Amen? Question so far or we, we know what Peter is trying to say? Good? So let's talk about that a little bit. So again, obedience here is your role and my role to receive what God has done when he foreknew us and how the Holy Spirit sanctified us. We just need to obey that. And this obedience will lead to being sprinkled by the blood of Jesus. So let's talk about three things here. What is the meaning of obedience? What is it that we need to do really? And then number two, we're going to talk about the consequences of being obedient. And number three, the consequences of being disobedient. Okay, so we're going to explore all options today. Number one, let's talk about what did Peter mean when he said that we are elect for obedience. The, all, the reason why God has chosen us so that we can be obedient. Amen? Here's how it works. Here's how I think Peter is trying to tell us. God, we are all sinners, right? We agree on that. And we broke the law of God. And there is no good works that we can do so we can actually up-ease the wrath of God over our sins. And the only way for us to be saved is that Jesus needed to come down from heaven and go to the cross so he can endure the judgment and the wrath of God. And then the same exact Jesus rose again from the dead on the third day. Because Jesus died on the cross, he paid for our sins. And because he rose again, he's alive and he's able to change our hearts and make us brand new creations. Amen? And any one of us, anyone in this world, whatever be saved, that is the only way to God. It's through Jesus, through his cross and through his resurrection. But you and I have to do our role, according to Peter here, to receive that salvation that that. God has already accomplished for us. And our job, you and I, is to be 
obedient, correct. That's why look at this scripture in Acts 17, 30 to 31. Look at this. This is what Paul was saying when he was teaching or preaching in, in Athens. He said, truly, these times of ignorance, the times of past, when you sinned against God, God overlooked. But now he does what? He commands. He what? Commands. How many men? All men everywhere to repent. Now, this is what you and I have to do. We have to repent. But look what Paul is saying here. God is commanding every single soul, every single where in this world to repent, to receive the salvation that he has accomplished in Christ, right? Now, when God gives you a command, you have one of two choices, right? You either obey or disobey. Exactly. And that's what Peter was telling us here. He's saying that the ultimate goal of God to elect us and his salvation plan, ultimately everything is leading to you and I being obedient to what God is commanding us to do, and that is to repent of our sin, leave it away, and turn around and come to God through Jesus and him alone and say, God, I cannot save myself, but I come to you through your son and I ask you to change me once and for all. Amen? By making that commitment to live for God once and for all, which the Bible says being born again, or uh, Paul said here by repenting, when you actually do that, you are being obedient for the commandment of God. Amen? So being obedient here is literally to, to repent of your sins and make a decision to live for Jesus once and for all. And the scripture is full of that. So many times we read in the scripture that, this is obedience to God, to repent of your sins, to turn away from your sins, to start living for Jesus, to make the commitment for him. This is obedience. Let's look at that multiple, uh, uh, different examples. Peter, let's just discuss Peter and how he understood obedience in that book that we're just reading about, 1 Peter. Let's read 1 Peter 1.22. Listen to this. Since you have purified your souls, how? How did you purify your souls? In obeying the truth through the spirit in sincere love of the brethren. So Peter here is saying you purified yourself. You cleansed yourself when you obeyed the truth and repented of your sins. Amen. First Peter 2, 7 to 8. Here is what Peter said. Therefore, to, to you who believe he is precious, but to those who are what? disobedient those who rejected this those who say no to god's salvation plan paul is saying that they are what disobedient okay now verse uh, first peter 3 1 wives likewise be submissive to your own husbands that even if someone does not, what does he do does not do not obey the word they without word may be won by the conduct of their wives do you see what Peter is saying here? He's saying, wives, be submissive to your husband, even though they don't obey the gospel. Even though they are being disobedient, you still need to be obedient to them and don't keep nagging them. And then when they see your godly conduct, they will come to the Lord. Amen? I have to tell you something. I have to tell you something. In all the scripture, and this is interesting, in all the Bible that I know, I might be wrong, but as far as I know, that's the one single incidence in the whole Bible where God is actually telling us to share the gospel without words. 
That's the one incident. Everywhere. We talked about that before. Say, you know, it's like you must share the gospel. The, the faith comes by hearing. Everywhere in the Bible, God says, speak up, speak up, speak up the gospel. That's the one incident, as far as I know, in the whole Bible, where God says you can share the gospel without words. It's a wife to her husband. Amen? In other words, like, again, I don't think... Peter is saying, don't open your mouth and share the gospel. He's just saying, don't be an egg about it and just keep bugging the guy to go to church or something like that. It's just, it's not going to work. Amen? But the point is, when, when they obey the gospel, when they, Peter called that being obedient. When you listen to the gospel, when you repent of your sins, Peter considered that being obedient to the, to the word or to the gospel. Amen? Let's just uh, read one more example here. Paul, uh, Romans 6:17. Again, he says, but thanks be to God. That though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to do what? To obey from the heart the pattern of the teaching that was claimed um, and that has now claimed your allegiance. So he's saying you were sinners, but what did you do after you were sinners? You obeyed, and because you obeyed, you are now saints. Amen? Well, just The Bible talks about obedience of faith. One example, Acts 6-7. The word of God kept on spreading, and the number of the disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests have become what? Obedient to the faith. Amen? And then we need obedience of the Gentile. That's Romans 15, 18. Here is what Paul says. For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me in word and deed to make the Gentiles what? Obedient. So do you see that? It's over and over and over again. God has a salvation plan for you. It is his heart. It is, your will, it is his will for you to be saved, to end up in heaven. He has accomplished all what you need for your salvation when Jesus died on the cross and when he rose again. And he's commanding now every man everywhere to repent of their sins and turn around and make a commitment to live for Jesus, right? And it is his goal that everyone should be what? Obedient. Obedient. Again, Peter said, we have been elected from all times past for the one single goal, for the one single end in mind, and that is for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? So when Peter is talking about that, he's not talking about the believer being obedient. He's talking about the one who doesn't know God being obedient to the gospel. And that's why, that's why you see that the word obedience precedes the sprinkling of the blood, right? So he's saying that we are called for two things. For obedience, that's step number one. And then after that comes the sprinkling of the blood. Amen? So what Peter is telling us here is this, that the sprinkling of the blood kind of the result of being obedient to God's command to repent and to the gospel. Amen? So let's talk about the consequence of obedience. And that is, according to Peter, you're going to be sprinkled by the blood of Jesus. Amen? So let's talk about that. What does it mean for you and I to be obedient to the gospel, to repent of our sins, and the result of that, we will be sprinkled with the blood. Amen? So there are, we discussed 16 benefits that we have so far in the blood of Jesus, right? Right? All right. Now, out of the 16, there is four in particular that are connected to sprinkling of the blood. Amen? There is four that we read 
this blessing includes sprinkling of the blood from the Old Testament. Amen? So these are the four that Peter, in a way, in his mind, he's saying, once you repent of your sins, once you become obedient, the blood of Jesus will be sprinkled, and you will tap into all the benefits of the blood of Jesus, particularly there, these four. It's not like you're going to be excluded from the rest, but he's just saying these are the particular ones that he has in mind when he was talking about that. Amen? Number one, you will enter into a new covenant with God. If you become obedient to the gospel, repent of your sins, the first result of that, you're sprinkled with the blood of Jesus. That means you'll enter into a new covenant or a new relationship with God. We read the very first incidents about sprinkling the blood in the whole Bible in the book of Exodus chapter 24. We discussed that when we discussed how we can enter the new covenant by the blood of Jesus. If you remember, God was about to start the covenant of the Old Testament with the children of Israel. So Moses had a, a sacrifice and they slaughtered that sacrifice. He built an altar specifically for that unique situation. They slaughtered the sacrifice and Moses took the blood, sprinkled half of it on the altar, and then sprinkled the other half on the people of Israel. Israel, and by doing that, he ushered the people of God at that time, Israel, into a covenant with God, into a relationship with God. Amen? And in the same way, what Peter has in mind here is this. Once you are obedient to the faith, once you repent of your sins and receive what Jesus has done for you on the cross, you will get to be sprinkled with the blood of Jesus himself. And just like in the days of old when Moses ushered the children of Israel into a relationship with God by sprinkling the blood, you also will be ushered into a new and a better covenant with God by the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus. When? and only when you are obedient to the faith. Amen? Amen? That's why we read in Hebrews 12, 24, look at this, that we have come to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. Look what comes right after that. And to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Do you see that? The author of Hebrews connected how Jesus is a mediator of a better and new covenant. And right after that, he mentioned the sprinkling of the blood because he's trying to draw our attention how in the Old Testament to enter into a covenant or a relationship with God, the people need to be sprinkled with blood. And in the same manner, we also need to be sprinkled with blood to enter into a new covenant with God. Amen? Amen. The only difference is the Old Testament, it was blood of bulls and goats, but now we have the blood of the divine son of the living God that we are sprinkled with. Amen? And because the blood is so great, that makes the covenant, the new covenant that we're entering in, a whole lot more better and far greater than the Old Testament covenant. Amen? So you enter into a relationship with God by sprinkling of the blood of Jesus, only when you are obedient and you repent of your sins and receive Christ. Amen? But number two, consecration to the Lord or sanctification. To be set apart to God that also involves sprinkling of the blood. Exodus 29, 21. And you shall take some of the blood. Now, in this story, in that chapter, God is commanding Moses to, to set aside Aaron and his children to be his priest, to be his minister. So this is God's way of doing it. Exodus 29, 21. And you shall take some of the blood that is on the altar and some of the anointing oil and do what? And sprinkle it on Aaron and 
his garments and on his sons and on the garments of his sons with him. And he, he and his garments shall be hallowed, shall be sanctified, shall be holy, be, become holy. And his sons and his sons' garments with him. Amen. And that commandment of God in Exodus 29 was literally fulfilled. And Moses did that exactly in Leviticus chapter 8. Amen. So again, we see that the sprinkling of the blood means that you are set aside for God, for unique purposes of God. And we talked about that before. That's, that's what the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus over you and me means. Amen. That means we're going to enter into a new relationship with God. That means we're going to be set aside for God's purposes and for his glory. Amen. But number three, it also means that we are cleansed from our sin. Sprinkling of the blood. We need an example for that in Leviticus 14 and um, verse 7. Now that's the story of how a leper man in the Old Testament can be cleansed. And we talked about this before. To be a leper in the Old Testament is a type of being sinful. Leprosy is a type of sin. So how did the Old Testament leper people were cleansed? Here is how. Leviticus 14, 6. And he shall sprinkle it, that's the blood, seven times on him who is to be cleansed from the leprosy. And he shall pronounce, that's the priest, he shall pronounce the leper clean. How do you pronounce the leper clean? By sprinkling the blood of the sacrifice on the leper. That's how you can be cleansed from sin in the Old Testament. Amen? And that's exactly how you and I can be cleansed from our sin by the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ on us. Amen? Amen. Number four, to escape the wrath of God that also involve sprinkling of the blood. A lot of the commentators actually go with number A, which is entering the covenant, or number one, the entering the covenant with God, as the main point of what is in Peter's mind when he said that we are called to obedience and the sprinkling of the blood. I don't know why. I think it's more like number D, really, escaping God's judgment. Just by the sheer volume of how many times sprinkling of the blood was mentioned, 22 times, 22 times in the Old Testament, we read sprinkle the altar of the sacrifice in the tabernacle. That is just to subsidize the wrath of God. Amen? Flip with me to the last page of the notes you have. I want to show you that, that diagram. We talked about this before. But I want you to know exactly how God has that design in the Old Testament. So if you look at that diagram, the flow of worship, you see that the door of the tabernacle was on the east side. God wanted to be on the east side. You enter from the east. That's always in the Bible a, a, a symbol or um, a type of evil, east, that, always like that. So you enter from the east side, and the very first thing you see is called the bronze altar. Do you see the very first square that you see? The bronze altar. If you remember, that is the altar that it has to be a burned offering. Burning on that altar 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. One in the morning, all the way till the evening, and then one in the evening, all the way to the morning. So there is always something burning on that altar because that resembles, that tells us about God's wrath over sin. That God is a holy God and he will judge and punish sin. That's why there has to be constant burning of fire, of a sacrifice on that altar so God can be satisfied. So he can just remember or remind himself what he's about to do in Jesus so he will not punish the children of Israel. Amen? And 22 times in the Bible, we see that you sprinkle that altar, the very first altar, the bronze altar, the altar of the burnt offering with blood. 22 different scriptures in the Bible. 
Again, that resembles the, the wrath of God. And when the blood is sprinkled on the altar, then the wrath of God is subsidized. Then God can just let his anger and wrath over sin pass over the people because the blood has been sprinkled on that altar. Amen? So that is what the sprinkling of the blood represents. It represents that you and I have escaped the wrath of God by sprinkling of the blood of Jesus. Another example, Leviticus 16, 15. Now, that is the Day of Atonement. Now, if you go back to that diagram, I meant for that scripture to be after the diagram. Anyways, if you look back into that diagram, so the first thing is the bronze altar. Then you come into the bronze laver. That's where there is water and you can cleanse yourself. Then you enter into the actual building. So, so far, we're outside in the yard. Now you're getting into the building. There's two rooms in it. The first room is the holy place. Has three things. We're not going to talk about that. But then the very last room called the Holy of Holies. And what separates them called the veil, right? And the Holy of Holies has only one piece of furniture. It's called the Ark of the Covenant. You guys remember that? I'm assuming. I'm hoping. Because if you don't, that's good. I can go back and preach it again. <laughs> okay, so the very last room has one piece of furniture called the Ark of the Covenant. And if you remember, we said what kind of angels cover this Ark? It's called cherubim, right? Two cherubim angels cover the Ark of the Covenant. And we say that these cherubim represent the wrath of God, right? Because we read about cherubim the first time in Genesis chapter 3, right after Adam and Eve fell. God kicked them out of the garden and put a cherubim angel, angel to, to protect the garden from them coming back. So that's always associated with the wrath of God. You guys remember all of that? So the cherubim on the Ark of the Covenant inside the Holy of Holies represent God's wrath over sin. But once a year, the high priest will enter into that very Holy of Holies and there is blood in his hand of a bull and of a goat. And what does he do with that blood? He sprinkles the blood on the mercy seat, on the cherubims. And when he sprinkles that blood on the mercy seat, it's symbolic that the wrath of God can go now down and can be subsidized because it has been satisfied because of the blood that is being sprinkled on it. Amen? And that's what Peter has in mind. When you and I become obedient to the gospel and receive it, then the wrath of God over you and me will be subsidized when we are sprinkled by the blood of Jesus. Amen? Another example, Leviticus 17, 11. Here is point blank God is telling us. Here is the point of the whole blood on the altar for sprinkling. For the life of the creature is in the blood and the I have given it to you to make atonement. If you remember, that's the word propitiation. Remember that the wrath of God is subsidized. God said the blood for you to cover your sins so my wrath can get can bypass you and doesn't have to come over you. I have given you the blood for atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes what? Atonement, propitiation. Let my wrath pass over you for one's life. Amen? So this is what Peter has in mind when he said that we are elect by God's foreknowledge and the sanctification of the Holy Spirit for one purpose and one purpose only. That ultimately we should obey the gospel. We should repent of our sins and obey the commandment of God to repent. And the result of that, Peter tells us, once we obey, what's going to happen? Number one, you're going to enter into a new covenant with God, a new relationship with God. Number two, you're going to be consecrated, set apart for God. Number three, you're going to be cleansed from your sin. And number four, you're going to have eternal life and no wrath will come over you no more. Amen? Amen. 
I don't know about you. Sounds very good to me to be obedient. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Now, here is an amazing promise that Isaiah spoke about. This is just good scripture right here. I didn't even, it didn't even hit me till yesterday. Look at this. Isaiah 52, 14 and 15. This is a promise for every single one of us. Amen. Look at this. Now, this is a prophecy about Jesus on the cross, okay? And here is how it reads. Just as many were astonished at you. That's what happened literally on the cross. A lot of people will look at Jesus and they're just, well, just shocked at him. How disfigured, how, how beaten, and how messed up he has become. Just as many were astonished as you. So his, what is that word, visage? Visage or form? Yes, face, were so marred, more than any man. That's literally in the Hebrew, literally, again, I keep telling you this scripture because it's so amazing. What, what Isaiah is saying here, he's saying that the face of Jesus, the form of Jesus was so disfigured, you cannot even tell. He's a human being. This is how bad he was beaten up. You look at him, you don't know what kind of creature is that. Because he's so disfigured and so marred. And his form more than the sons of men. He cannot tell that he's a normal human being. But look at the promise of verse 15. Amen. This is good word right here. So shall. And as much as many were astonished at him because of the wrath that he endured. So shall. He what? Sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouth at him. For what had not been told they shall see. And what they have not heard they shall consider. But look at that very phrase of verse 15. So shall he do what? Sprinkle many nations. Amen. What Isaiah was saying here is this. Because Jesus went to the cross. Because he endured the wrath of God. Because he was put way too down. God will lift him up so high. That he, Jesus, will, will be able to sprinkle many nations with his blood. Amen. So many multitudes will be sprinkled by the blood of Jesus. So that they can enter into a covenant with God. So they can be cleansed. So they can be consecrated to God. And that these very multitudes will all escape. God's wrath and be with God for all eternity. Amen? In heaven. Amen? So shall he sprinkle what? Many nations. Today, if you're here today, you don't know if you have eternal life. There's a wonderful promise for you in the Bible. Jesus can sprinkle you clean today with his own blood. You'll leave that place, brand new person, have eternal life, have a relationship with God. Amen? So shall, not might, he shall sprinkle many nations. Why? Because he went to that cross for you and me. Amen? Amen. Now let's talk about the last thing, the consequences of disobedience. We said that it's ultimate goal, the ultimate goal of God for you and I to be obedient and what happens as a result of that will be sprinkled by the blood of Jesus. Amen? But what if you disobey? What if you say no? What if you say, I'm going to try to make it on my own to heaven? Let's look at that scripture from 2 Thessalonians 1, 7 to 9. Let's look at Paul, what he said. And to give you, he's talking about Jesus coming eventually. He say, and to give you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven, that's when Jesus come at the very end. With what? With his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God. Read with me. And those who do not 
obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, what happened to them, they shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Amen? Amen. So if people intentionally say no to God's salvation that he has accomplished on the cross and say, I don't want to be obedient to that. I don't want to repent. I want to just be my own, have my own way, try to get to God on my own way. If you disobey the gospel, what's going to happen? The Lord Jesus will come and he will take vengeance of those who don't obey the gospel. Amen? It is not that today, again, it is not that today you have a choice to say yes to Jesus or say no to Jesus. You are already a sinner and because you already broke the law of God, you're already going toward that wrath. Today, God is offering you an exit, a way to get out of that wrath by being obedient to the gospel. Amen? And once you do that, he, Jesus, will sprinkle many nations and you will be one of them. He will sprinkle you today with his blood. You will become a brand new person. You'll have eternal life and you will be cleansed once and for all. Amen? Amen. So that is the sprinkling of the blood. Amen? Amen? Let's close our eyes and pray.